Hello, and welcome to Home Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm your host, Christina Browning. This is an augmentation to episode eight of the Home Space and Reason podcast available anywhere you listen. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation in a podcast called Home Space and Reason. I'm the home functionality coach. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot, no matter if you reside in a 4,500 square foot space or 350. I post questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every little win. When I was in the editing process of episode eight, I realized that the portion in which I talk about creating a family annual could be both exciting and extraordinarily intimidating to many people. And because I'm a visual person, I started to think about how awesome it would be if I did a bonus podcast in video form. And so here we are. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. Subscribe to my podcast, Home Space and Reason, on any platform that you listen. In episode eight, I talk about managing sentimental things. And one of the ways that I manage family memories is to create a family album that starts January 1st and runs all the way to December 31st each year. The beauty of it is that it contains more than just photos. Now, there are many services out there that you can use. I personally use Shutterfly. I go into the computer to create my book at the beginning of January every year. There are many templates to choose from, and I do choose a different one each year. I try to create a matching spine so the books look fairly consistent when sitting on the shelf. I go through and put place markers throughout the book so that I can make sure as the year goes on, I'm not maxing out before even getting to September, October, November, and December. On the Shutterfly platform, there are 111 pages maximum available for a book. Stop rolling your eyes. I know that seems absurdly large, but it actually requires a great deal of narrowing down the images that are most important because when you consider all of the holidays, plus Father's Day and Mother's Day, birthdays, vacations, and then add in the school soccer pictures, first day of school, last day of school photos, and then anything else that happens in between, it's very easy to fill 111 pages. Create a process for yourself that makes it fun and not a job. Here is my process. When we come home from vacations and unpack, I also make it a point to unpack my phone. And that means taking all the video and all the photos off and I organize them on my computer in the same way. I download them to files labeled by the year. And that way I know exactly where I'm pulling from when I do my photo album project. 
After I get them off my phone, I add the best ones to my album and I'm set. Here's where you could run into trouble. If you download from your phone to your computer and add them to your book the first time, and then the following time you download them to your computer and don't have time to add them to your book, the next time you come back to add more, it's difficult to see where you left off and what has not been added to the book. So my solution is, if you don't have time to add them to the book, create a folder within that year that's called Not Added. That way you know where you left off. Of course, once you add them, drag and drop those images into the regular folder. This project sets in my project folder for the entire year. It's within the platform. I go back into that same one over and over again. I upload, save, and exit out. Once December 31st hits, I create another year and start the process all over again. I literally include New Year's Eve in that year's book, and anything we do the very next day on January 1st stops and rolls into the following year. I don't necessarily print it on December 31st, but the book is finished on that date. I print the completed book sometime in January once I've had time to look over it one last time and make sure everything is as it should be. One thing that's exciting about keeping sentimental things this way is let's say, for example, we go and play putt-putt golf for the first time. We can literally put the scorecard into the book by taking a picture of it and including it on that page. It's one less piece of paper, piece of memorabilia that I need to keep around the house and organize because it's all in a neat and tidy hardcover book sitting on our built-ins in the living room for easy access, making it comfortable and easy to look back at our family memories. Other ideas you could include are things like report cards, team photos, and school photos, I literally ask my son the same six questions on the first day of school every year and put the answers in there. When he said cute things or phrases when he was little, I included quotes from him. I also put a plastic pocket in the back of each book, and that contains one copy of the Christmas card we sent out and one copy of our Valentines each year. One thing that's important to note is that all of these books have 111 pages, but the thicker ones that appear to have more don't actually. It's a visual trick. They're just bound differently. I opted for the lay flat binding here, and I did not on the smaller ones. Throughout the years, the options and choices have grown within the platform, and so my choices have changed. The other thing I want to draw attention to is that the first year I created my book, it was the year my son was born. The following year, I created the next book, and I remembered to do the spine black and to do our family name first and the year following it. But what I didn't remember is to choose either left, justify, or centered so that all of the albums in the years after match. It drives me so crazy. I have to let it go. It is his baby book. It's a quick and easy way to see which one is his baby book, but don't make the same mistake because it drives me bananas. Depending on what theme you choose for the year, the fonts will fill accordingly. Now you can go back in and change the fonts and you may do that so all of them 
are the same on the spine of the book on your bookshelf as well. This is just going to depend on your personal preference and how obsessive and compulsive you are about the spines being identical. It makes me a little crazy that mine are not, but it's too late and I'm not spending the money to reprint all of them just because the font is different. Another thing that I find interesting looking back on years past is that plain pictures that don't seem to mean much of anything at the time can mean so much later. Make sure that you put your goggles of the future on when you're making your book. And what I mean by that is when we built a house, I did include pictures of it being built before it was finished. And I also have a few pictures of our yard. It was horrible looking because the house was just built the sod was just laid, the builder's special fence was new, and that's all that was there. It could not have looked any more run-of-the-mill, cookie-cutter than that. However, I love that I included it in there because now when I look back, you can see how far the yard has come. You can see the progress. It also is interesting for kids to be able to look back on things they wouldn't necessarily remember. This includes taking a picture of the outside of the home that they have, may have grown up in if you're moving and they're like five or six years old. It'll be cool for them to look back and say, this is the house that we lived in when I was little. Upon reflection, I would have loved to seen photos of my own nursery. So when you think of all the details, you make the effort to include them in your space it's nice to know that your adult child will someday be able to look back and go, wow, they made a lot of effort in my life. Here's another funny thing to consider when you put all the things in these books that you do together as a family and print them every year. When your child is a teenager, they'll never be able to say, you never let me do anything. Oh yeah, let's get out any year of those albums and look through all the photos because we've loved you so hard and there's so much family activity going on in there that you need to come up with something better than that. When my son plays a soccer game and his aunt and uncle show up or his granny and papa come, I always make sure to get a photo because when he looks back through the years, he will always know that the people that loved him showed up and they were present. When they're really young, they're never going to remember these sorts of things otherwise. I also snap a picture of whatever the main item was that he got for his birthday or Christmas because it's really fun for him to look back and see that Santa got him a wooden truck when he was two months old. Also, I don't have to keep that wooden truck. Next, I want to talk about the covers. We get our photos professionally taken about every other year. In my former life, I was a professional news photographer, so we have a lot of photos that I take myself that are good options for our cover, but then I'm not in them. So we have our pictures taken professionally every other year. The years that we don't, I just sort of keep that in the back of my mind, like, is this a cover picture or is this a cover opportunity? Some thoughts on that. You don't want it to be too busy and you don't want there to be too much going on that you don't have any place to put the year, for example. This is called intentional dead space. When you take a photo that you know is going to be a great photo, 
but you allow there to be a lot of grass in one area, for example, or a lot of sky up top. So when you crop it down, there's an area to say 2016 or whatever year it is. You may opt to not have any text at all on the cover and to only have the year on the spine, but either way, this is a good way to think of things because if you want to include a full page bleed, that means where the photo actually goes off all of the edges, you still want to include some sort of descriptor. You're going to want intentional dead space in there so that the text is not competing with anything behind it, making it very difficult or impossible to read. You can put a box behind the text if you have a picture that you want to overlay text on, but you can't read it when you do. It does, however, make it a little more busy. If you want the most clean aesthetic, laying the text over the picture where you have allotted intentional dead space is going to give you your best results. You may not even need any text at all. That's even better. I included a group photo from one of the years that we had a family reunion, and it's so fun to be able to look back on the double page spread and remember all the people that were there, what they looked like, and all the fun that we had. I always start my books with a recap on the very front page, so generally I can remember what happened that year. Maybe it was the year of elections and I include who was running. Did your dog Junebug pass that year? This is a great place to include things like this that you wouldn't necessarily have photos to express. Another thing I want to discuss here is the process of editing. Just because you have 15 pictures from one pumpkin patch does not mean all 15 are worthy of being in the book. Edit them down. Look at them from the outside in. Which ones tell the complete story? Do you have a close-up? Do you have one that's more mid-range? And do you have one that's taken from far back, that's more broad, that really helps the people who are looking at the book to remember the entire scene or observe what was going on? This is your cue to get a piece of paper and write this down. Remember when you're taking pictures, take wide shots from far back of the entire scene, take medium shots, not too close, not too far, you should be able to see people's facial expressions and gestures, and take some close-up shots. You can generally tell the story that you want to tell when you pick one from each of these categories when it's time to put your book together. Also, your book is going to be more beautiful if you do have some photos that are really big. You don't want to have 47 photos on one page for 111 pages straight. The person looking at the book would be absolutely overwhelmed and it won't make much sense. So make sure you limit your images to just the best ones when you're building your book. I always keep all the extras from the entire year, the ones that didn't make it too, in that year's folder on my computer. So if you want to look back on all of them, you could. But if the book is designed like a coffee table book, it feels more professional when you weed out all the extra stuff. I also include a page or two about my job and my husband's job that year, and it helps my son to look back and know what his parents actually did as grown-ups once he's a grown-up. 
It reminds us when my husband switched jobs and even what year I started my podcast. I am sure by now you have heard the phrase live intentionally, and likely you've also seen the magic of simplifying with Marie Kondo. If you're anything like me, you recycle what you can instead of putting everything in a landfill, and you probably also would like to find more quality in every aspect of your life, including your home. If all this resonates with you, you've come to the right place. I think all of us have a desire for similar things, wonderful smells, a feeling of belonging, and reassurance that everything is going to be okay. We want to know that we matter and that we're heard. We want deeper meaning. We want to thrive. But you have to set yourself up for success here. Build a space to thrive in. You are building and creating the framework for your life to happen. If you enjoyed this special video edition, connect with me on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Space and Reason and subscribe to my podcast, Home Space and Reason, on any platform that you listen. Thanks for watching, and here's a virtual high five for taking baby steps in creating a home that thrives. If you happen to live in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, and you'd like to hire me as your home coach or as your realtor, reach out to me through social media or my website, spaceandreason.com. Have a great day, and I'll see you on social media.